When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Three games in the NHL tonight, late second period. The Maple Leafs leading the Islanders 3-0, also with a 27-11 advantage in shots on goal. The Flyers lead the Capitals 2-0 early in the second period. Also early in the second frame, no score between the Sharks and the Red Wings in Detroit. At the Scotties this afternoon, Alberta. Improving to 6-1, beating Quebec 9-2. They uh, called that one after eight ends. Oil Kings in action tonight. They'll face off a little bit later on against Kootenai. The Oilers actually made a trade today, far from a blockbuster. Eddie Pasquale, who'd been playing for the Bakersfield Condors, traded to Tampa Bay for future considerations. Pasquale was uh, mainly the backup goaltender last season on Todd Nelson's Grand Rapids Griffiths team that won the uh, AHL championship. Oilers signed him in the summer. Playing for the Bakersfield Condors this year went 6-5-4 and four with a 9-10 save percentage. Now with Montoya with the Oilers, and Montoya expected to start tomorrow with Talbot Ill. So you got LB on the farm, Laurent Brassois, along with Nick Ellis. So Pasquale, not really room for him. He's traded to Tampa Bay for future considerations. That takes the Oilers down to 48 contracts. Other Oilers notes today, Zach Cassian didn't practice personal reason but he is expected to play tomorrow Adam Larson will not play once again as he continues to uh, deal with a personal issue the lines today now Cassian didn't practice but Camilleri was with McDavid and Dreisaitl and Todd McClellan said don't write those lines in pen for the game tomorrow but we did see that last week against Calgary that Camilleri was up to what the Oilers wound up doing in the second half of that game McDavid and Dreisaitl were together with Camilleri and Slepeshev taking uh, turns as the third member of that line. So uh, that could be how they start tomorrow against the Colorado Avalanche, who are going to be without the second leading scorer in the entire NHL. Nathan McKinnon has gone back to Denver, suffered an upper body injury last night in Vancouver. The Avs are 0-2-1 since that 10-game winning streak. Special teams, man, I tell you, Colorado's power play, 10th in the NHL. The Oilers, 30th. Colorado's penalty killing, 3rd in the NHL. The Oilers, 31st. You wonder why Colorado has gone up in the standings this year and uh, the Oilers have gone down. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630. Chad, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. My next guest is one of my favorite to have on the show, which is ironic considering he plays for one of my least favorite teams. I don't mind admitting a bias in this regard. 
And I'm going to tell you something else, and he'll be the first to admit this. Friday night at 7, he may be the least popular person on the entire campus of the University of Alberta. It's University of Saskatchewan goaltender Jordan Cook. Jordan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Not bad, Reed. How are you? Good. You you love that, though, don't you? You love being the most hated guy in the rink. I love hearing that, yeah. <laughs> As a goaltender, you, you, you had to get used to that pretty early, didn't you? Oh, for sure. I think it's one of those positions that you, you're either the hero or you're the the villain so uh, i know i know when i walk into the u of a rink i'm definitely a, a villain there how how young were you when you noticed like geez other like I, i'm like maybe a 10 year old kid and i got 40 year old parents on the other team trying to get me off my game did you experience that <laughs> uh i uh i think i kind of did it was one of the one of the few years i played summer hockey and there's a pretty big rivalry or rivalry uh, between the two summer teams, my team, and then uh, another one within the Alberta area, and it just seemed like it was one of those one of those those games where they would do whatever you could to get someone off their game. Um, I think it started pretty early, like you said. I think it was around ten years old when I started to started to see those those things kind of prevail um, from other parents and fans that you're always trying to get under the goalie skin. So you learned young, you better block it out or find another position. <laughs> oh yeah, goaltending is all all mental. Was this was this uh, Leduc area you were playing? Uh, this was just summer hockey. So it was, I, I played with a bunch of people from Sherwood Park, um, all throughout Edmonton and, and the surrounding area. Cool. Okay, Huskies goaltender Jordan Cook joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports. And uh, Jordan, this is going to be pretty cool. I'm doing my show there. From uh, from Claire Drake Arena Friday night, so I'm going to get to see the game and obviously uh, see see you play. You expect it's going to be a huge crowd for that game. Two of the top five teams in the rankings uh, in the entire country, and realistically, you guys might be one too. Who knows? But uh, when you go to the other rinks, and I know the U of A is known for having the the St. Joseph's guys, the St. Joe's College guys there sometimes to get on the other team. Uh, what what rink has the uh, rowdiest fans to play against? Do you think? In Canada oh, West, easily you of a fan. Uh, when you go to play Claire Drake, it's always a great time. Uh, both Friday, Saturday nights, um, their school and their their campus really take pride in their hockey there, and uh, they're, they're definitely quite supported when it comes to having fans at the rink. And it it makes it makes for the best time for sure. All right, the, the incredible rivalry between these two schools. It's going to be the 500th game all time between the Bears uh, and the Huskies. But i got to ask you specifically about the two games you guys played in Saskatoon, November 17th and 18th, uh, because the scores were 6-1 and 4-0. Uh, but for, for opposite schools, you guys lost 6-1, and then you got a 4-0 shutout the next night. Two incredibly closely matched schools, but a couple of blowout games, or maybe not blowout, but lopsided games. What happened those two nights, Jordan? Uh, you know, I, I think personally, or speaking on the Huskies part, uh, Friday night's game wasn't really the outcome we wanted. I don't think we played to our our capabilities, and I think that was for sure. You know, they they they're a great offensive team, and they definitely generate off a lot of chances. And I don't think we were we were really prepared to handle a lot of their their threats. Um, I think that's why the outcome was the way it was. But um, Saturday's a whole nother night. And I, I think we, we definitely did an awesome job uh, recovering, uh, rewatching some video, and really uh, 
you know, shutting down what they exposed the night before. All right. Well, this, I mean, you, you can't talk about Canada West hockey or university hockey without talking about Golden Bears and Huskies. What does this rivalry, this, this showdown mean to you? Well, I mean, when you know it's coming up on the schedule, tell me how you feel. Oh, it's, it's probably one of the most anticipated uh, games of the year. I know this year it's very important. Uh, I think this weekend will be will ultimately decide who takes home first place in Ken West. And uh, it's a pretty big deal to get home ice advantage. I believe in Canada West. Uh, I know for the last few years, the U of S Huskies we've we've had the home ice advantage and it's run both ways. And um, you know we're de- we're definitely looking forward uh, to this weekend to try and lock down that first position. U of A is ahead of us by a couple points and. These games are real big for us this weekend, so we're we're gonna we're coming into the weekend believing it's a big time playoff game, and, we're, and that's the way we're thinking. Would you use the word hatred to describe your feelings towards the Golden Bears? Uh, I think I've used the word hatred once or twice now. It's funny every time we play the Huskies, I, I deal with, or not only myself but uh, we as a team, we deal with a lot of interviews, and it, it, all of it comes down to uh, describing the rivalry and. It's, I, I believe it's an energized loathing for each other. Um, they're, mo- they're anticipated games, and I know if I'm speaking on their behalf, I, I believe they're looking at the calendars just like we are. And um, Despite the, the hatred factor between both teams, uh, both games or all games are always energized, and there's a lot of passion between both. Energized loathing. You just gave me a new catchphrase for inside sports, Jordan. Wow. I'll, I'll give you credit whenever I use it. That is a beauty. Energized loathing between the two teams. Uh, it, in terms of your season, I mean, look, you and I generally do this once or twice a year, and you've been a great story. I think we first talked after you guys had those two uh, marathon overtime games at the, at the national championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had an incredible opportunity to be on the Spengler Cup uh, last year, so 13, 13 months ago, which which we talked about uh, as well. Tell me how this season is going for you. I mean, you, you're, again, being leaned on pretty heavily in the Huskies' net. Uh, you know, I, I think it's been a great year. Uh, I'm going to speak on the Huskies' behalf here. Uh, I think we got off to a pretty pretty good start. I know we, we've dropped a couple games uh, in the last few weeks where we, we like to have back, but it's a learning experience. Um, right now, uh, we're kind of going through a couple lulls here and there, but it, it's, we have a great leadership group, a great group of guys, and I know when it comes down to it that we'll, we'll have it all figured out. So, uh, again, you know, I th- we're having a really good year, and it's it's coming down to the time where it's every every win matters now, and, and as we're moving into the playoffs, all we're looking forward to is, is getting better day in and day out and being ready for that to, hopefully that championship game you know tell me a little bit about uh your individual game do you like do you have a goalie coach at the university level do you have to rely on a lot of video or other mentors or how do you stay sharp uh well we do have a goalie coach here at the U.S. he comes out once a week just to kind of run a goalie practice for turn closing and myself uh he's been uh, a great supporter in my game the last few years i know my I know from coming from Kelowna, the goalie coach there and I, we worked, we worked four years together and, and we were working on flaws that I, you know, I, I kept trying to get at and maybe correct. And it wasn't until I got to the U of S and working with the goalie coach here is where I kind of, I got over that hump and got into uh, changing the game for the better. Um, but personally, I think just staying sharp is, you know, being ready, um, taking every practice as a game. Uh, I know when 
practice. I, I think I might battle harder I do there than I do in a game. And it, it's more of just that compete factor personally. Um, I'm not a big goalie, and I know I've been told that for a long, long time now. And I think what makes me stand out personally is just my work ethic and my compete levels. And uh, that's something that I've heavily relied on and I will continue to heavily rely on just because that's what makes me me. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jordan, so, uh, you know, obviously you're from the Edmonton area. Are, are you going to have a lot of family and friends in, in the crowd on Friday and Saturday nights? I never know. I, uh, my family will definitely be there. They uh, can never miss a game. Uh, friends and family, I haven't really spoken to anyone lately uh, saying that I'll be in town, but I, I, I bet you I'll have a few there too. All right. Well, it's going to be fun. Uh, if if people haven't been to a Bears-Huskies game, it's an incredible experience. Obviously, you get to live it, and I can tell how much you're looking forward to it, Jordan. Thanks for fitting me in tonight. I know you're busy with school and hockey and everything else. It's always a pleasure to have you on Inside Sports. No, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That is Jordan Cook checking in tonight. Outstanding goaltender. Plays for the Saskatchewan Huskies. You'll see him between the pipes Friday at 7, Saturday at 5, his Huskies taking on the Golden Bears. 500th all-time meeting between the schools on Friday, and we will be there inside sports live from Claire Drake Arena. Energize loathing. That's how he describes it between the two hockey programs. Absolute beauty. Jordan Cook, inside sports on Chad. <laughs> This is Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30 Chad. Right. Okay, got a text here from John, who says, "Energized loathing." Was he talking about my marriage? Oh my. Just uh, 37 minutes left in the show, John. You're the front runner for the text of the night. You get the life-sized autograph poster of me. Do we still have any of those kicking around? We might have given them all away a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, that was a beauty. Energized loathing, courtesy Saskatchewan Huskies goaltender and Albertan, I should add, uh, Jordan Cook, who's... Let's face it, one of the best goalies in university hockey and uh, has been for a couple of years. But talking about the Bears-Huskies rivalry, energized loathing. So there, there's a nicer way to say you hate somebody. Right? We're you know, a politically correct world. You don't want to hurt anybody. How do you, so how do you feel about such and such? Well, I energetically loathe him. You're not using the word hate. In fact, you're making it a positive. It's something you apply energy to. It's something you put effort into. Right? The more effort you put into something, the more you'll get out of it. Energized loathing. All right. Inside Sports on 630, Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 724. Oilers tomorrow, Furnace Family Oilers Hockey, Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. It'll be the Oilers hosting the Colorado Avalanche, one of the big stories in the league this year. Well, really in at least the second half of the year because they had that 10-game winning streak. 5.30 face-off show. The game will start 
at seven. Since winning that 10 in a row, the Avalanche are winless in their last three, and they will not have Nathan McKinnon tomorrow having an outstanding season. Second in the league in scoring 61 points in uh, 49 games. Got belted by Edler last night in Vancouver. Upper body injury. He has gone back to Denver. Not expected to be out uh, long term, but won't play tomorrow against the Oilers, who will likely not have Cam Talbot in goal because of an illness. Uh, Brian texting in. He says, uh, I'll bet money I don't have that Tavares is not re-signing with the Islanders. Totally non-existent in tonight's game. And uh, the Islanders are getting crushed 4-0 by the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're about to head into the third period. Islanders are, like, the the Leafs are out shooting them 32-14. Islanders are an interesting team to watch this year. Uh, They, well, with the exception of tonight, they can score. They don't prevent a lot of goals either. And uh, they're going to be in tough to make the playoffs. I'm just double-checking how far out they are. Well, they're only a point out of the wild card, so they're hanging around, but they're minus 11 in their goal differential. The Oilers, by the way, minus 22 goal differential, almost solely power play goal differential. One's allowed and one's that they've scored. 2-2 Flyers and Capitals. That's uh, midway through the second period. Same part of the game, no score between the Sharks and the Red Wings. All right, we're going to check in with an Olympian when we get back. Mark Mark Kennedy is going to be curling in South Korea. Always good to talk to him. I think they're leaving it in a couple days for Asia. We'll see what's going on with his plans. Did you see this today? Thursday Night Football is going to Fox. Five-year deal. They're going to get 11 games a year. They paid $3.3 billion for the right to broadcast about uh, 55 games over the next five years. And, and Thursday Night Football is the least popular of all the night footballs. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, so Talbot's ill. Expect Al Montoya to start for the Oilers uh, tomorrow. Looks like it'll be Jonathan Bernier in net for the Avalanche. He's been uh, hot lately, 14-9-2 on the year with a 9-17 save percentage. Oilers and Avs on Chad, 5-30 face-off show. The game will start at 7. The Oil Kings through one period in Kootenai. 35 seconds left in the first period. Trey Fix-Wolanski gets his 21st of the season, so one nothing Edmonton. That is now after one in Cranbrook. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. The Olympics, man, they're coming up like a week and a half away. And representing Canada in men's curling will be the Kevin Cooey rink featuring this man, Mark Kennedy. Mark, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hey, Reed, I'm good. How are you, man? I am doing very well. It's great to catch up with you again. Of course, uh, we talked right after you guys qualified for the Olympic Games, and I said we got to get you on before you leave. So tonight's the night. When are you guys uh, heading over? Yeah, a couple days here now. We're leaving to uh, Japan on Saturday morning. So you have uh, a few days in Japan to practice and get used to the time change, and then we'll make our way over to South Korea on the 8th. Okay. All right. So uh, maybe there's nothing to this, or maybe there's a story. How come Japan, just a good place to practice, quality of practice, or or why is that the uh, intermittent stop? Well, um, 
you know what? Our support team has done a good job of the logistics. Um, Japan has a really nice place in Karuzawa. It's where they had the 98 Olympics in Nagano. So the, the curling venue is right there. Um, we've actually played an event there a couple of years ago. They have a beautiful new curling arena. Um, so we're comfortable there to practice. And um, there's a, a really nice hotel there that we've stayed at. So it just adds a little a level of comfort for us to get used to the time change and the jet lag and all that. Um, so that's kind of why they chose that spot. And I, I think it's a really good idea. Okay, are you going to have uh, competitive-type games over there, like maybe play some Japanese rinks, or how will you approach that? No, no, we won't. Uh, I know there's a few other Olympic teams that are going to be practicing there as well. Uh, for us, it's just going to be kind of a, a mini training camp, no different than we would do at the Glencoe Club in Calgary. Uh, just a couple of days of good, hard practice. You know, we'll do some sweeping and some sweating, and then a, a couple of workouts as well, just to, you know, get together and bond a bit we haven't spent a lot of time together so that's kind of the purpose of that uh, those couple of days and it's also it gets us away from home it, it gets away from the distractions and uh just gets you in the right mind frame to start competing how how many competitive events have you had since the olympic qualifying uh, we had two events reed we were at the continental cup in um London, Ontario, right. and then we had another Grand Slam event in Camrose. So okay. uh, it was really the perfect amount. You know, the, the Continental Cup was a little more fun. Uh, just gave us a chance to get back on, on the ice and get the feel for things again. Uh, Camrose was a little more competitive. You know, we had a good run there. We started 0-2 and, and went on to the semifinal, but got the competitive juices flowing again and made us realize a couple of the things we need to work on for South Korea. So I think our lead-up and our prep for this has been really good. Mark Kennedy join us, uh, joining us from the Kevin Cooey rink, representing Canada in men's curling at the Olympics. Now, are you, are, is any family going with you? I mean, is that part of the Olympic experience here, or is it just totally you're just going to be with your teammates most of the time? Uh, it's, a, it's a big part of the experience. So we have a group of uh, about 36 or 37 people coming over, uh, a lot of immediate family, some, some sponsors and some friends as well. Uh, for me personally, I've got my brother going with me the whole time, so Glenn will be there. Um, but my family actually made the decision to stay home. Uh, it was it was a pretty tough decision for Nicole and the kids, but um, you know, lots went into the choice. I think she's she's a little bit sad about it now, but uh, you know, we were lucky enough to have the experience close to home in Vancouver, so she knows what it's all about, and, and thought they might uh, might be better to keep the kids home and just enjoy it from the living room. Okay. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's a pretty important decision, and uh, yeah, I mean that, that's it's going to be an incredible experience over there. I, I gotta I gotta ask you this. I mean, we we've talked a lot about obviously the depth of the field in in Canada. I mean, everybody knows that how hard it is just to win a Canadian event, whether it's a, a Briar or a Roar of the Rings or some of the Grand Slam events you were talking about. Is is the style of curling any different when you get to an international event? I mean, it's not like hockey where the dimensions of the surface change. You're still dealing with a curling sheet of ice. But do, do different countries approach the game strategically differently? Uh, they used to because they... Uh, you got to be careful here. They weren't, uh, they weren't quite at the level of a lot of the Canadian teams strategically in the past. Right. Uh, now, not so much because okay. they've spent so much time in Canada and they've learned the game the way we play it. Uh, the top teams, especially, play a very similar game to us. So, you know, quite aggressive, uh, focused on a lot of 
big shots and, and just shot making in general. So there's not a lot from a strategic standpoint. Uh, the biggest difference for international events for us is ice conditions. You know, we have the best ice conditions in the world in Canada. So sometimes when you go overseas, you don't quite know what you're dealing with. It might be a little bit straighter, that type of thing. So that might affect everybody's strategy. But um, for the most part, we're pretty comfortable with these teams. We know them really well. So I don't think there's going to be any surprises from that standpoint, from a strategical standpoint. You know, Mar, I appreciate that you were trying to be careful with that answer. But but I mean, that, but no, but that's that's a fair point. And I think it speaks to how... Uh, you know, first of all, Canada's strength is a curling nation, but but you you weren't sitting there and just patting Canadians on the back because other countries had to adapt and did adapt. So the the time of Canadian teams just overwhelming other elite rinks from other nations because of experience and knowledge, those days are more or less behind us at at the elite elite level. Yeah, they're they're gone. Um, you know what? It, it's a bit of a catch twenty two though, Reed, because. We want the sport to grow around the world. You know, it's a very Canadian-dominated sport. We want it to grow. Um, a lot of these international teams come to Canada. They train all year long. Uh, Nicholas Adine actually has spent over six months in Canada uh, the past couple seasons. Plays in all of our events, um, and they get really good. They get and they're they're government-funded athletes. They it's their full-time job, and they learn how to become great curlers. So, in a way, we we train them and we help them. And we provide them the competition to be the best. And then we go play them on an international level, and there's still that expectation that Canada will win a gold or win a medal. So it's uh, it's a bit of a conundrum in that way. And the unfortunate part is we're seeing growth in curling, but not as much as we would like to see around the world. Most of the funding and the money goes into these specific athletes in other countries rather than having it funnel down to the grassroots oh so it's uh you know i know they've had the same situation in hockey like canada's the breeding ground and and we you know all these international players come over and they get really good so it's a bit of a conundrum for us and then a lot of these international teams are extremely good so so winning a medal this time we're going to have to be our absolute best you know what, Mark? I, I had no idea we were going to get into this kind of stuff, but that that's... That, that's I'm glad you and I do, Reed. Well, we, 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 we always find a way to f- hit on some interesting topic, whether we meant to or not, but but that's the thing. So say you're... Say you're the head of the Italian Curling Federation, right? Are you gonna are you gonna pump money into the program so you can have ten ranks ranked in the top two hundred and fifty internationally, or are you gonna give all that money to one rink and say to hell with it, we're going for gold? So that's what's well, going on. And every country is taking a little bit of a different approach. Um, you look at Scotland right now, and they're starting to spread the money around, and they've got some really good young teams, including the team that'll be at the Olympics, Kyle Smith. Uh, they've also got another good young team, Bruce. Bruce Mowat, who's beat us twice this year. So they're starting to see uh, a few more younger players around getting better. Uh, but you take a, take a team like Sweden or Switzerland, there's only one. Nicholas Adin is really the only team in the top 25 in the world from Sweden, and Peter de Cruz is the only Swiss team in the top 25. So, so they are pumping their money into one team, uh, probably with the intention of, of winning a medal, and then maybe they'll start spreading the wealth a little bit more to younger teams. I hope so anyway. Um, but that's kind of what we're seeing when it comes to international teams. Well, right, because then those countries are faced with once that guy retires or whatever, like then, then, what? then who picks yeah. it up, right? Yeah, yeah that's... Now, the, the other issue with that too, 
uh, you know, not to pick on the international teams because I can't speak for all their programs. They all do things a bit differently. But, of course, they all start coming to Canada for coaches as well. So a lot of really good, legendary Canadian curlers are being paid to go coach internationally, and they're making those specific teams very good and very difficult to beat. So I, I don't know too much about it, but I can only hope that they're plan is to spread the wealth and grow the game in that country rather than just spending it all in one team. Well, and I mean, that's the thing. I mean, curling is heavily associated with, with Canada. Uh, what what other nations do you think take curling the most serious, though? I mean, do, do I just list off the 10 that are in the, in the Olympic Games, or, or how do you look at it? No, it's um, European countries are still quite serious. I mean, you're Scotland, Sweden, and Switzerland uh, are right up there. If you're seeing growth growth anywhere right now, it is in the Asia-Pacific region. So Korea is going to have a team this year, which is quite competitive. Um, Japan's gotten better. Uh, we're not going to see China this year, but they've always been a really good team. So, yeah, you know, it's your usual suspects. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're they're definitely getting a lot better. Mark Kennedy joining us on Inside Sports, headed to the Olympics, curling. It's going to start February 14th, uh, 10-team draw, top four make the... Uh, this is not a page, right? This is semifinals? Right, semifinals, so... So single play, elimination. Yeah, okay. you play direct elimination in the semi, and hopefully you win that game to get to the gold medal game. Mark, i got to ask you this one, because we've been talking about rivalries uh, tonight. I'm doing my show from Claire Drake for the Huskies-Golden yeah. Bears hockey game on uh, Friday, which which is a beauty of a rivalry, as I'm sure you know. Uh, yeah. What is the best curling rivalry you've ever been a part of? Because you've been part of a few. Ooh. I was a part of the uh, Kevin Martin-Randy Furby days, where they definitely energetically loathed each other. <laughs> You're, quite the, you like that? I, I'm glad you were listening earlier. Thank Tried you. To find a way to sneak that in. <laughs> um, that was a good one, though. They didn't. Let, they did not like each other there for a few years. Yeah, you like know, that. That was like it wasn't just they didn't like curling against each other. Like they did not like each other. Am I am I overstating it? Am I being no? Tr- no, like, there was definitely a few years where they did not like each other, and you know they didn't say much about each other, but they didn't have to. You just kind of knew they didn't agree with one another there was a uh, i wouldn't say hatred but it uh, definitely added to the rivalry and to, you know there was two of the best teams in the world at the time both in the same city so that that definitely adds fuel to the fire we used to practice beside Furby's team at the Savile Center oh jeez and then you're competing on a, on a or on a national stage against each other so it was good i, I think it added to curling and uh, you know believe it or not a few years went by and we played with them as teammates at the Continental Cup and when we won the cup, there was uh, Kevin Martin and Randy Furby hugging each other. So, so there every was every rivalry has a soft side. To <laughs> you it, you never thought you'd see that. Obviously, nope, that, that nope. was that was one for the mental scrapbook. Um, uh, well, and cur- curling's different, right? Because you're just you're you're standing there like five feet away from the guy, you know. Like, yeah. but you can't do anything. You can't take your frustration over the body check, right? So you just feel nope. that feel that tension the entire time. But it's. It's a funny sport because it's because there's so much on the line these days, and you're getting these young, fiery, competitive athletes on the curling ice. Sometimes stuff does happen, or stuff gets said in the heat of the moment, you know. But but we're in a sport that is so, you know, it, it just has so much respect for your opponent, and you shake hands before a game, and you 
you know, you respect the tradition of curling. It's a very sportsmanship game. So you got to walk that fine line. And, and sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes uh, things happen on the ice. But at the end of the day, most curlers are, are still good friends and respect each other. And um, that tradition of the sport has never changed. Well, you're not telling me there's trash talking in curling, oh, is there? Oh, so much trash talk. Oh, mostly from my teammate, mostly from Benny. But Right. Okay. But it's all in the spirit of, of winning, right? Well, I hope you're bringing back a gold. I know you have one from Vancouver. Uh, I hope you get that another one. That'll obviously mean another tattoo. Uh, that's a story we've told on the air before. Oh, yeah. But, that's right. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. Oh, well, well hopefully, there you... we, hopefully we have that to worry about. Thanks for checking in. Uh, I'll try to stay in touch while you're overseas. Uh, all the best, Mark. Uh, you guys go get it. And thanks for checking in tonight. Always great to chat with you. Thanks, Reed. Always good talking to you, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome conversation. Mark Kennedy. Curling with Kevin Cooey representing Canada in the uh, Olympics. A smart guy, and we always wind up getting into some stuff. And that's the reality of it, right? Why have other countries improved at curling? Largely, I'm not going to say totally, because that would be unfair, but largely because they have competed against Canada and have, as Mark said, in some cases, taken Canadian coaches. So to compete with the best, they had to take on the best, learn from the best. So as a Canadian fan, does that frustrate you, or does that just make you more proud? That to say, you know, in sports like curling, hockey certainly to a big extent as well, why did other countries get good? Because they became more Canadian, right? And how do you, how do you make the game better? As much as we want Canada winning all the time, is it fun to see Canada go to an international curling event and win every game 10-3? Or would you sooner say, hey, we helped these other teams get really good, really competitive, but we were still able to beat them. Often in curling, we're still able to beat them. Inside Sports on 630, Chad, you can text 630-630. We're coming right back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630, Chad. Jeff texting in, he says, Canada became good at women's soccer by hiring John Herdman. We do it too. That is from Jeff. Well, Jeff, great point. And I, I think that if you talk about international sports and you're a, an also-ran country or a second-tier country and you want to get better, let's face it, you, you do have to steal, whether you're, you're stealing ideas or, or stealing coaches. And in international sports, the players have to be of a certain nationality. Uh, the coaches generally, I don't, I don't think there are any rules in any sport, the, the coaches do not. I mean, you can have a Canadian coach for a... Swedish team, you can have a Swedish coach for a Canadian team, or whatever you want to do. So, I, you know, I I don't have a problem with what's happened in curling, um, but I think from Mark's perspective is, you know, these the, the countries come play uh, in Canada in, in all the, the World Curling Tour events and all the Grand Slams and kind of stuff, and that's how they get better. But as he said, some countries are just putting all their energy and funding into one or two rinks. So is that growing the game? Is that making the sport stronger in those countries? Or is it just making that team stronger for, say, maybe a decade, and then then, then once they fade away, there's no one to fill the gap? That's an interesting debate I didn't, in terms of development and being competitive. I didn't realize we'd be getting into it tonight, but it, it does make you think a little bit. But, yeah, I mean... I, I think there comes a time that if you want to be competitive in an international sport, be it at an elite level, and you keep coming up short, eventually you have to say, okay, we need to employ somebody that knows what to do. And internationally, that might be 
pulling in from somebody out of another country. Uh, this texture says, come on, man, Canada is like 110 in the world. Faroe Islands is ranked higher, has a population of like 50,000. Get real. Uh, well, Jeff was texting in about the women's soccer team, but Herdman will now try to work his magic with the men's team, which is going to be a much tougher task. And yes, uh, one texture pointing out, of course, Ralph Kruger, Canadian, former Oilers coach, coached uh, Switzerland internationally. So there you go. Here's what's going on. Maple Leafs crushing the Islanders. It's 5-0 in the third period. Capitals now leading the Flyers 3-2 after two. Scoreless after two between the Sharks and the Red Wings. The Oil Kings are up 2-0 in Kootenai, about five minutes into the second period. The Oilers notes today. Cam Talbot not expected to start tomorrow. Look for Al Montoya. Adam Larson will not play. Zach Cassian didn't practice. He is expected to go uh, tomorrow, Mark Letestu expected to return after being a healthy scratch last week against Calgary. The Oilers played just three games in the last 18 days of January. They will play 14 times in February. Here's Mike Camilleri. I'd like to see our group just enthused about playing hockey here. I mean, we, we've had uh, a quiet month with regards to volume and um, and I and I I know I th- we have a lot kind of coming up, uh, and I and I think you kind of can get excited about that, about just just getting playing games and just the, the kind of the, the flow that that creates in your life and in your game, where you're just you're just playing, you're finding ways to win games, and you're waking up the next day and doing it all over again. And uh, that as a as a pro athlete, as a hockey player, that's kind of what you feel in playoffs. Everything else just kind of dissipates in your life, and you just kind of got games every other night and and hopefully we can just get really excited about playing a lot of hockey here moving forward. All right, well, and they're going to have to win a lot of hockey games. 33 games left for the Oilers. If they win 22, they might have a chance at the playoffs. Might. That's the situation that they're in. Just reality, not being pessimistic. That's just reality. 5.30 face-off show tomorrow. The game will start at 7. Thanks to our guests tonight, besides Mark Kennedy, you heard from Jordan Cook, Harlan Anderson, and Jack Michaels. Thanks to everybody who texted in. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. Next edition of Inside Sports, live from Claire Drake Arena, 6 o'clock Friday night. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you for listening. Have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.